take it for granted that there are lots of things you can do on a Sunday morning, and you've chosen to be here with us, and, and we are so glad. We're in the midst of a series of messages called I Declare War, and if this series has been helpful to you or inspiring or you want to dig deeper into these thoughts, Levi Lesko has a book out called I Declare War. You can get it on Kindle, find it on Amazon and paperback or whatever works for you, and, uh, and, and it's worth the read, the time, if you want to dig deeper into some of this. Now, we began this series a couple of weeks ago, and I told you that this is the series that, that I needed. It's the series that I needed to hear, that I needed to speak, because there are so many times that I feel like maybe some of those images, like I'm, like I'm, like I'm just drowning in my own emotions and thoughts that are overwhelming and I don't know what to do with them, or that I'm, that I'm, I'm crying out in a fight against myself. This version of myself that I don't want to be, this version of myself that lets me down, this version of myself that says things I don't want to say, that goes places I don't want to go, that does things I don't want to do, that eats things I don't want to eat, and it's this constant battle, and that for, for so much time, I'm, I'm losing the battle to this version of myself I don't want to be. I mean, Scripture tells us we have, we have different enemies. We have enemies like, like the one in Scripture called Satan that is like a, a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour, looking for that moment of temptation to trip us up. Or that or Jesus said that if the world hated him, the world will hate us. That doesn't mean like the trees and grass are going to attack you. I mean, unless it's allergy season, then maybe. But, but it means that there's this, this sense, this power, these, this force in the world that when we try to do something good, rebels against that and pushes back against us. When we try to follow God, there is this pressure in this world on a sin that fights against us. But even more than those, I find that my greatest enemy stares at me in the mirror every morning. I am my own worst enemy. And if I'm going to be who I was created to be, if I'm going to do what God is asking me to do, then I'm going to have to learn to win the battle against this version of myself that I don't want to be. And I'm going to have to do that by declaring war because I don't kind of accidentally stumble into victory. I don't, when, when, I, when I go into autopilot, when I let things happen then my emotions and my thoughts take control and take me into dark places that I don't belong and don't want to be anyway. And I become this person that, that I don't recognize. That, that Anita every now and again will just say, hey, you've not been yourself the last few days. And I know that's a sign. I'm letting things get out of control. I need to, I need to step up and declare war again. I need to fight this fight. It's not always an easy one. It's not always natural. It's not always what I feel like doing. But I have to commit to declare war. Teddy Roosevelt described this moment in the Battle of San Juan Hill where he crossed over this, this wire, this line, this fence of barbed wire. 
And he said that something arose in him as he crossed this line of no return. When he realized he had no way of retreat, he had no way of going back on it. He had to go forward. He had to fight. That something rose in him like a wolf, ready for the battle. And that what we need, what we need is for for God to help us as we make this commitment, as we declare war on this version of ourselves that we were not created to be, that we don't want to be, that will cross over this line of no return. We will come to this moment where from this day forward, we fight no matter what. And to ask God to raise that wolf up within us that has the ability to fight this battle. It's hard and it's scary. And as soon as we think about making that commitment, the enemy starts to whisper the lies. No, 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 you don't understand. You can't fight it. This depression's a part of you. This anxiety, it's, it's you. It's not something you face or fight. It's, it's just you. That addiction, that's just you. That sin, that struggle, that's just you. It's just the way you are. That argument you end up having with your spouse over and over again, that's just you. It's just you being you. You can't, you can't deal with that. You just got to accept it. And the truth is, that's not you. It's not who God says you were. It's not, it's not who God created you to be. And as long as we buy that lie... It owns us. It owns us. And at some point, we wake up. At some point, we decide to fight. We decide that this is not who I want to be, and I will fight against it every day the rest of my life if that's what it takes. But I'm going to cross this line. This wolf is going to rise in me, and I am going to declare war on this version of myself that I don't want to be. And some of us need to wake up And decide to fight, to stop playing around with it, to stop playing around with God, to stop playing around with faith, to stop playing around with hope, to stop playing around with church. We need to decide that we're going to fight because we are in a war for our very selves. We are in a war for our souls. We are in a war for our families. We are in a war for our home. We are in a war for our community. And as long as we pretend like it's not happening, we're never going to win. Somebody help me out and just say amen so I know you're winning. Amen's old school, and I know it if you're not, you're not, you're not grew up in church or that kind of thing. We just kind of say amen, and it lets me know you're here, lets me know you believe what I'm saying, and you're with me. And look, I can tell you this. Preachers preach better when people let us know they're listening somehow. So there you go. Just say, we're listening. Yeah, keep going, preacher. Uh, something. Anyway, side note. Getting a little excited. We decided and looked at three areas, or we're in the third today, areas that we need to battle, to declare war. Where are these battlefronts? And we said the first thing that we have to do is declare war on our thoughts. That, that and, uh, in Proverbs 23, 7, it says that, that as we think, that's who we are. As we think, as a man thinks, so is he. Our thoughts lead to everything else. They lead to our emotions. They lead to how we feel. They lead to our actions. It all begins there in our thoughts. And if we lose the battle of our thoughts, we lose the battle of the day. 
We lose the battle of our emotions. We lose the battle of our actions. You can control the way you feel. You can begin to shape the way you feel over time with your thoughts. You can begin to transform the situation by the way you think about that situation. Because it changes the way you interact in that situation. It all begins there. And we said there are a couple of things that we need to do as we declare war on our thirst. The first thing we had to do is reverse the polarity. We have to reverse the polarity. We often put negative thoughts where positive thoughts belong. And a negative thought never leads to a positive attitude. It never leads to a positive outcome. It never leads to positive emotions. As long as we're living in negative thoughts, we're never going to have a positive life. And it's not about positive thinking to make life better. We think positively. We speak, think with hope. We think things that are true and good and valuable and beautiful because what God has already done for us. Our positive thinking is a response to the God who is good and faithful and true and present in our lives. The God who has forgiven our past, the God who has set us free, and the God who has given us the power to live the life he created us to live. That is why we think positively. And whenever you put a negative where a positive gone goes, you get trouble. We talked about when you try to jump a battery, jump a vehicle, you, you, the best case scenario is you melt the wires and the, the rubber gets melted all over the side of your car and the, the wires catch fire and eventually break and you're okay. The worst case scenario is that electrical charge backs up in the good battery and keeps building and keeps building until it explodes. Negative thoughts. Many of us are having explosions day after day after day. And it all begins in that negative thought because we've got a negative where the positive belongs. We've got to reverse that polarity. In addition to reversing that polarity, we've got to set a guard on our thoughts. We all have hundreds of thoughts every day that we don't choose. They come into our mind randomly. They last about 14 seconds each, probably about an hour and a half to two hours every day of thoughts we don't choose. The question is, what do we choose to do with the thoughts when they show up? Because we get those negative thoughts, and what we need to do is send it through a TSA-style checkpoint. Let our mind check every crack and crevice and hole for something that doesn't belong. And if it doesn't belong in our mind, if it doesn't belong on that train of thought, we need to kick it out. We don't do that. We, like, make a special place on the couch. We give it a bedroom and a bed. We invite it to move in. We feed that negative thought until it's so fat it can't get out the door. And we live with it the rest of our lives. We feed it. And we just keep repeating it over and over and over again. It's kind of like that conversation you imagine you're going to have with your spouse when you get home. You imagine, or your friend, or your coworker on the way into work. You imagine the worst case scenario and how it's going to go. And, and you're mad before you ever say a word. Yeah, you, you know. You can pretend. You can keep that straight face. I know. We all do it. Here we go. Tell me he's honest. I appreciate it. It's time. We don't let those we don't let those thoughts that are negative, those thoughts that are anxious, those thoughts that are that are dark, those thoughts that are just plain evil, mean, cruel, ugly. We don't let them stay there. We kick them out of our mind. We replace toxic thoughts with truth. We take 
the toxic thoughts about, about God, about ourselves, about our world, about our spouse, about our, our co-workers, about our environment, about our job. We take them and we kick them out and we replace them with truth. And then we begin to speak it. This is the second battlefront that we face. We have to declare, declare war on our words. We said there are a couple of ways that we do that. The first is to speak up. Speak up. Ephesians 4.29 tells us to not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building each other up. Building up. We're going to speak up. Speak what is positive. Speak what is good. Speak what is true. Do you know there's, there's this phenomenon that we speak into each other's lives, and it becomes, if you will, prophetic. When we speak into our children's lives, they live into what we speak. When we speak into our spouses, like they live into what we speak. If we speak into our coworkers' lives, they live into what we speak. If you speak and point out what is good, it gets repeated more. If you speak out what is negative, it gets repeated more. Look, most people around you know what they did wrong. They don't need you to point it out. They don't need me to point it out. But most of us feel like anything good goes unseen, unnoticed. And sometimes we just need to be those. Like, imagine the transformation in your workplace or your home if you decided that everything that came out of your mouth was going to be encouraging and building others up. Even that when you needed to correct, it was about building others up and bringing out the best and doing it for their good. And you found a way to speak it that that was clear as day. Without doubt. We want to speak up. We want to speak up. And then we want to think first. You can go back and listen to that message if you like. But we kind of talk about a quadrant, a way to kind of evaluate our thoughts as to whether they will actually produce the result we want. Some of us just need to stop and think. Because you don't have to say everything you feel like saying. There we go. That's every mom in the room. <laughs> you don't have to say everything you feel like saying, but you're like, but I got to be true to myself. Our world tells our culture, I got to be true to myself. I got to speak my truth. How about this? How about we be true to the best version of ourselves, right? Let's be true to the best version of ourselves. Let's not be true. Let's not be true to that one who's full of fear. Let's not be true to that, that one who's scared. Let's not be true to the one that's angry. Let's not be true to the one who's disappointed. Let's not be true to the one that's, that's depressed. Let's be true to the best version of ourselves and speak that. Let's speak the version of ourselves that we want to be. Speak true to that version of you. And then we're going to speak out gratitude. Not just think about gratitude or what we're grateful for, but actually speaking out, saying out loud the things that we're grateful for has the same effect on our brains as drugs like Wellbutrin or Prozac. They, it releases and does something, changes the, the way our brains function and releases neurotransmitters that, that send into our bodies the chemicals dopamine and serotonin, the exact things that those drugs release into our system. And I'm not saying there's never a time for drugs like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we can begin to change our mood, to change our thoughts when we speak out gratitude. It's hard. It's hard to be depressed when you list a hundred things you're grateful for. 
It's hard to be afraid when you list everything you're grateful for in a scary situation. And you thank God for all the resources he's given you to deal with it. All the people he's put in your life to help you. It's hard to be afraid and complain at the same time. It's hard to whine and worship at the same time. And we need to choose to speak out our gratitude. Maybe as soon as your feet hit the ground, you say out loud 10 things you're thankful for. Maybe you get a journal at night, you write the things you're thankful for that day. Maybe you get a journal and you write one thing you're thankful for in your spouse or your kids or your friend for the next year and give it to them for Christmas. Speak out your gratitude. And then speak in truth. Speak into your own life what is true. We talk to ourselves more than we do anyone else, and we tend to talk to ourselves worse than we do anyone else. We say things to ourselves we would never say to anyone else. We, t- we call ourselves things we would never call anyone else. Right? We, we say things about the way we look. We say things about the way we feel. We say things about the way we acted today that we would never say to anyone else. Stop saying that crap to yourself. It's not, you're, you're talking to someone that God loves. Speak like it. When you look in the mirror, speak truth. Speak of the things that God would say. The same God who looks at us as he looked at Jesus that day as he was being baptized before he had done a single miracle, before he had taught a single lesson, before anybody could even imagine that he was Messiah. And he looks at his son and he says, this is mine, the one in whom I'm well pleased. And when the, from the moment you were born, before you could do anything to please him or displease him, he looks at you and says, ooh, this is mine, and I'm really happy with him. I'm really happy with her. And every day, that's the emotion God has toward you. Speak to yourself like that. Speak to yourself with hope and with courage, with anticipation. Replace toxic thoughts with truth and speak them out. See, what we're doing here is we kind of work these battlefields out. They're moving from the deepest parts of who we are to the things that everybody else experiences. Nobody else knows your thoughts but you, but that's where the battle begins. It begins in our heart and in our mind. The next thing they're going to experience is your words, and then they're going to face your actions. And that's our third battlefield, but we have to realize that it really does all begin in the heart. Jesus... Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, shares these words. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. The only one who can change a heart is God. We trust him to do that work. We trust him to work in us and begin to transform our hearts because what you say in Jesus' words flows from what's in your heart. Everything we are flows from there. Every transformation, everything that we want to see different in our life begins there. But once we're his, we have to realize who we are. And Paul, Paul was a, a man who spent most of his life trying to please God. He was so vigilant in his desire to please God that he sought to erase. He was known as a zealot, really. He was, he was so zealous for God, he sought to erase any kind of challenge to the purest of faith in God. 
And in his mind, Christianity was a distortion of faith in God. And he sought to destroy it. He sought to destroy it. He, he, he chased down Christians. He imprisoned them. He persecuted them. He killed them. And then he met Christ. And that heart was so radically changed that he became the messenger of the good news to those who had previously been excluded from good news. He became known as the greatest missionary the world has ever experienced. He wrote most of what we have in the New Testament. And he was writing to one of the churches that he started in 1 Thessalonians 5. And he writes this. This is for those who have who received that new heart, who have let God shrink in to do that transformation in them. He says, but listen, you aren't in the dark about things. He says, you, you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, when God shows up. For you are children of the light and of the day. When our life begins to change, we become children of the light, children of the day. And he says, we don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and when drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For you, you are children of the light. If we are children of the light, if we are children of God, then we need to act like it. We're going to act out of our identity. If this is who we are, then this should affect how we act. But what we see in the words of Paul is the first thing we got to do is get off autopilot. Quit sleeping through our lives. We need to be alert, he says, and clear-headed. We got to get off autopilot. That's the first thing. You know, in fact, 45% or so of everything we do in a day, we do at a habit without thinking. Not choosing it. It just happens. We wake up and we do the same thing every day. We put our pants on the same way every day. Chances are you put the shoes you have on the same foot in the same order every day. You do what you do out of routine. When you're bored, your brain says, okay, I know what to do. And chances are you do the same thing every time you get bored. When you get stressed, when you're afraid, when you're sad, when an anxious thought comes, when you don't know what to do. You know what most of us do is we go into autopilot to distract from all of that. I don't want to feel any of this, God. I don't want to feel any of this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just distract. Maybe we go to the bottle, we go to the fridge, we go to the gym, or we go to Amazon.com, or whatever it is. We go to social media and we flip through the same things we saw 15 minutes ago. And we just kind of try to get by. And then when we can't be, get by, we, we let those thoughts take over. And if you've let those thoughts take over once, then it's easier the next time, and the next time, and the next time, until you do it without even thinking. It's like starting the game with only 55% strength. It's like starting a football game 45 points behind. Because we've allowed these habits to form in our lives that aren't actually helping us be who we want to be. 
In fact, most of our emotional skills, most of the skills we have with reading and responding to the emotions of others and our own emotions were set in place by the time we were in our early 20s. Where most of us are just repeating the same thing we did for the first 20 years of our lives. Because we're just on autopilot. We just let it happen. Kind of asleep at the wheel. Maybe you've kind of felt that. You got home one day, pulled into your driveway and thought, I remember leaving work. And I remember pulling in my driveway, but all that's in between, I'm not really sure what happened. Your brain just says, oh, I know what's going on. I got this. You take a break. And so we do. We do. It's pretty crazy. We automatically respond when we're talking to our spouse. An automatic response to authority, to criticism, to being offended, to stress, to moods. We need to kind of join Anakin Skywalker and cry out, R2-D2, get this thing off of autopilot. It's going to kill us both. I like that, amen. I don't know who that is, but I'm grateful. Yeah, you know, somebody, somebody's got it pictured in their mind right now. They can see it happening. We got to get off of autopilot. We got to wake up. We got to wake up and stay alert. Intentionally begin to think about our reactions. Maybe it's time to, to get out a journal, get out a notebook, and just stop and begin to think and actually write down, when I'm stressed, this is what I do. When I'm tired, my default is, When I'm sad or angry or happy or disappointed, when I open my computer, I do this every time. See, most of the time, we don't even realize the habits we have. We don't even realize what we do. Most people who have their phones in front of them all day long don't even know they have their phones in front of them all day long. They would tell you that they don't. They will tell you they're not looking at it the whole time. It's one of my own temptations and challenges. I have to be very intentional Psalm 139, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. We need God to help us. We need to invite him in and say, God, help me to see what I'm doing without realizing I'm doing it. And help me to be intentional about what I do. You know, the difference between those with good habits and those with bad habits is we enter into life with a 45% advantage Or a 45% disadvantage. And it's often our habits that are getting in the way of us becoming who we want to be. It's because we just do whatever feels right. And when we've done it once, it gets repeated and its result is exponential. But if we do what feels right, but what feels right is rarely what's right. What feels right is rarely what's right. Let me give you an example. Hyperthermia. Somebody help me even more with this in between services. When we find people who have died of hyperthermia, one of the things that is true is almost every single time we find them completely naked. They die of freezing to death and we find them completely naked. Not only that, usually they have enough clothes to stay warm in their possession. Often we find matches or coffee or something else that could help keep them warm. In their possession. And yet we find them. Dead. 
Because in those final moments, as hyperthermia begins to affect us, we become less aware of what's around us. We can't think as clearly. And our bodies tell us that we're burning up. And so we take off everything, which then effectively leads to our destruction. Many of us, day after day after day, are just doing what feels right in the moment. We think we're burning up when we're freezing to death. We think we need to be alone when we really need to be with people. We think we need to feed these thoughts or think about them when really we need to stop thinking about them and replace them. We think we need to speak out our fears when we really need to speak out our hopes. We think we need to speak out our disappointments when we really need to speak out our gratitude. We think we need to hide when we need to run to people. And we're doing what we think feels like what we need in this moment. But it's not what will actually help us. And day after day, that version of us takes over and takes us places we don't want to be. We need to begin to evaluate. To actually wake up and think about what we're doing that's automated. It's okay if your car will keep you in the lane. It'll be, it's okay if you buy a car that will parallel park for you. Those things being automated are good. I love that my phone automatically changes with daylight savings time. I love that yours does too because that means you're not an hour late or hour early on those Sundays. I mean, if you want to be an hour early, we'll put you to work. But... <laughs> Some things being automated are good. Our actions and reactions being automated are not good. We need to wake up. And once we wake up, we need to start small in developing the habits that will actually help us. In the, in the book of Zechariah, they're building the temple, and it's gotten stalled out with the foundation. And it's going slow, and it's small. And, and the Lord speaks through Zechariah in Zechariah 14. He says, don't despise the small beginnings. The Lord is happy that the work is beginning. And if he was happy that a physical temple was being born, the physical temple was being uh, built small steps at a time, he is going to be even happier that your life, which is his temple, according to the New Testament, is being built one small step at a time. So just start small. Because there's no such thing as a small decision. Every decision is a brick in a wall that either separates you from the version of yourself you don't want to be, or separates you from the version of yourself you do want to be. Every small decision is a brick in that wall. And they matter. In ancient Israel, in, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, we, we find the story of a couple of midwives who serve God's people. And, 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 and Pharaoh is getting scared that there's going to be more Israelites than there are Egyptians in the land. And they'll take over. So he goes to these two women and says, listen, I want you to kill all the boys that are born. And they make a small decision. We're not going to do that. And because they don't do that, Moses is born. And Moses is rescued. And because of that small decision, there's a man named Boaz who rescues a woman named Ruth. And because of that small decision, there's a man named Judah who's born, who has a son named David who becomes king. Who has a son named Solomon. Who has ancestors named Joseph and Mary who have a little boy named Jesus. And the world is a different place today because two women whose names you've never heard chose to make a small decision. Every small decision matters. 
By the way, their names are Pua and Sifra. And their small decision made all the difference. Andy Andrews put it this way, sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. There's actually no big decisions in life. There may be big consequences, but the the stakes may be bigger. But the stimulus, the questions, they're really all the same. Every decision is a small decision. And as we practice in the smallest of decisions, we get better and better at making the right decisions. Sweat the smallest. Every big thing is just a sequence of small events. Every overnight success was really 100,000 small decisions made up to that moment. And every time we repeat this action, it has exponential results. Every small thing keeps building. It multiplies. It's like if you had a penny today and you added two pennies to it tomorrow and four the next day. In 11 days, you'd have $10. In 18 days, you'd have $10.72. In 28 days, you'd have $1 million, $342,000. One hundred and seventy-seven dollars and twenty-eight cents in twenty-eight days, just by doubling up. It's this exponential growth our decisions work like. C.S. Lewis put it this way: good and evil both increase at compound interest. That's why little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the is the capture of a strategic point from which months later. You may be able to go on to victories. Never dreamed of. And trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge, a railway line, or a bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. The, the small decisions we make open doors for the attacks of the enemy. Or they prevent them and give us the advantage. They all Add up. You know, if you were to eliminate just 100 calories a day from your regular diet, just 100, it's like half a Snickers bar, one quarter of a small fry, it would lead to an 11-pound loss in one year. Likewise, add 100 calories, just 100, it leads to 11 pounds gain. Talk about a 22-pound difference for 100 calories. 100 calories. So small. So big. We need to take seriously the little battles. And third, we need to start now. I mean, the truth is, I wish we all had parents who taught us how to handle stress or our emotions or our conflict or heartbreak or failure, disappointment, rejection, anxiety, low moods, all of that. I wish wish that was true of all of us. But I know it's not true of all of us, but we have to take responsibility for our actions and start now in shaping them to become who We were created to be. Bernard Roth says this, whenever anyone makes an important change, if you're sitting here and you're considering this, something is going to have to happen. He says, whenever someone makes an important change, it's because a switch was flipped. Someone who has struggled their whole life with weight finally decides to get fit. Someone who has put up with an abusive boss for years, finally has enough and quits. Someone who has harbored a secret crush finally takes the plunge and asks their beloved out for coffee. A shift has happened that finally made action more favorable to not acting. They hit a moment. They said, I have to do this. And a switch is flipped. The hardest part of any journey is starting Flipping that switch. 
That's why we can't wait. We can't delay. We have to start now. Make a plan and act on it. The next step in this is to prepare. Every action and every habit is formed the same way. Cue, response, result that either informs or diminishes the repeat of that action. And what we have to do is decide how we're going to react. Write down, decide, this is what I'm going to do when I get angry at my wife. This is what I'm going to do when I want to yell at my kids. This is what I'm going to do when I feel stressed. This is how I'm going to act to sadness. When those anxious thoughts start, here's how I'm going to respond. When I'm afraid, here's how I'm going to respond. When I feel depressed, this is what I'm going to do. Decide ahead of time. Prepare and plan so that when you execute your plan, it reinforces it being repeated over and over and over again. That intense preparation leads to effortless enjoyment of the game. The most prepared athletes win the game. Noah's soccer coach told him this, told the whole team. He doesn't yell, he doesn't scream at him, but I love what he says. He said, listen, something's got to happen. We're losing every game. Either you've got to do what I tell you to do in playing the position, play smarter so that you win, or you're going to have to work harder. So tomorrow, don't bring your cleats, don't bring your shin guards, we won't need any soccer balls. We're going to work on position, and we're going to run. Because one way or the other, we're going to figure out how to win these games. We're either going to run harder and play harder than our opponent, or we're going to play smarter. It's up to you. It's up to you. Play harder, play smarter. Some games we need to play harder, some we need to play smarter. And the last thing is just don't give up. Don't give up. See, many of us, we, we trip up in the morning and we just give up on the day. We give up on the day, so we give up on the week. And then we give up on the month. And then before we know it, it's years. And we've just given up on the year. And like, okay, January 1, I'm back in the gym. Yeah, right. Valentine's Day. Monday. Easter. Sometime. Just don't give up. Don't give up. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary. Why? Because there is a reward for those who stay faithful. We reap what we sow. Hosea 8 says that you reap, or you sow the wind and you reap the whirlwind. Some of us, our lives feel like whirlwinds. And we don't even realize it's because we reaped or we sowed the wind. We sowed the problems into our lives. Now we're reaping it. Listen, the bulk of our lives are made up of these unglorious, unsexy, unceremonious, unnoticed moments, opportunities to do what's right and be obedient to Jesus. A beautiful life is is made up of ordinary moments, little moments doing the right thing. Your actions matter. They matter to God. They matter in your life. And they matter to others. Our intentions matter very little. Our actions, our actions are what people see and hear and experience and changes lives. We'll always act out of our identity. So it always begins in the heart and flows from there. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the invitation to, to be who you're created to be, that you, you made us to be free. God, we live bound up and in defeat 
We allow these versions of ourselves that we don't really want to be to own us and take us over and manipulate and control our lives. And God, today, our desire is to be free, to be who you created us to be, to live in that hope and that freedom and in that possibility. So God, would you fill us with faith? Would you fill us with hope? Would you give us the courage to fight these wars against our thoughts, against our words, against our actions? God, release the wolf in us. So that we can be who you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. It was a joy to worship with you. I hope you'll join us as we wrap up this series next week. Have a great day today. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Enjoy a homemade cookie on your way out. And we'll see you soon.